Let's give Phil and those guys a hand back there. They're right on, right on it. As soon as I back up, man, right on. <laughs> Miss Betsy, will you come up and, and speak to us, our final speaker tonight, uh, before we close? Miss Betsy. Thank you. It is so good to be back here with you again. I don't know how many of you were here the last time I spoke. It was such a pleasure and an honor to speak to you. And I am Betsy Beeman, and I work in uh, Southeast Asia, a country I can't name. Again, it is also illegal to for me to be there in the capacity that I am there. Uh, so you'll have to read between the lines when I talk about that. But I just returned again from a two-week trip, taking a team over there, and I plan to return again in October and again in January. Um, we'll be running some quarterly trips over there and taking small teams at a time. We, too, fly under the way under the radar, so we go in quietly, we stay quiet, but we the words that we speak are heard loud and clear by the people that we serve. And I want to tell you a few of the stories that we've got to from that trip. When I was in the uh, in Dubai, I was in the embassy getting my visa renewed, and I walked up to the man, and he's ready to give me my visa, and he looks at me and he says, "Are you Korean?" Hello. <laughs> and I was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> are you Korean?" And it dawned on me. That Korean, to him, was the same as missionary. What a compliment. Because I don't know if you remember the story of about 30 missionaries who were kidnapped in the land of my heart, and two of whom were murdered, and they were held for about 30 days by the Taliban before they were released and sent back to their country. And something in me, the spirit in me, offended the spirit in him, to where he accused me of being Korean. Now, there's not too many people who can look at me and say, you look Korean. But at that time, I felt almost pride that he called me Korean because of my brothers and sisters who have sacrificed so much in that country. And they go in there very boldly where other people, even other missionaries, tell them, shh, keep it down, keep it down. Don't don't go out there like that. You can't be bold in this place. You're going to ruin it for the rest of us if you if you do that. But that's not how the Apostle Paul operated when he walked in. He walked into a town and he walked in boldly. And he proclaimed the, the gospel boldly, regardless of what the people in the town thought. Or that he was stoned. He was thrown out of towns. Not because he walked in with a whisper. But, he, the, but the Koreans in the, in the country where I'm at have been an example to me to be more bold and to step out in spite of my peer pressure and in spite of the culture and in spite of the law because the law that I answer to is the law of God and the word of God. And I want you to always remember that, that yes, you do go into these countries when you're going into the mission field, respectful of the law. That is what God expects of us. But there is a law that's greater than any law on earth, and that is the law of God. And that is who you answer to ultimately. Ramadan is coming up next month, and that was mentioned earlier. And I'm going to ask you all, You last time I was here, many of you committed to pray for me. And I'd like to challenge you to extend those prayers to pray during Ramadan, Ramadan or Ramadan in some places it's called, 
that during that 30-day fast, the Muslims are praying all over the world. Now, fasting and the law of fasting, that is something that you need to understand, that fasting, whether it's from a Muslim or a, a Christian, there is a power that is behind fasting. And while the entire Muslim world is fasting and we're not, that power is increasing on the other side. So the only way to counteract that is to also fast. So technically, I don't really, you know, I can't really explain it, but they're up all night eating and they fast all day. So there really is just flipping, flip-flopping. You know, it's a sacrifice during the day, but they're up all night eating. When we fast, let it be a sacrifice unto the Lord on behalf of the Muslim people that we serve. And when during one Ramadan, my friend and I would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and we would pray. And we fasted all day when they, when they fasted. And we would pray as soon as the first mullah's call went out, we would start praying. And we would start saying, Lord, you know, just as in the book of Acts, when this mullah starts singing, let the, the ears of the people hear the gospel instead of what is coming out of this man's mouth. When it, when it, re, when it leaves his mouth, when it reaches the ears of the people, let it be the gospel that they hear. Or silence the call. After three nights, we started to hear scratches in the call. When we realized it wasn't a call, it was a recording. So the guy was too lazy to even get up. He just hit the button. And then after six nights, we no longer heard the morning call of praying that. So it was just two of us. And I'm sure there were other prayers, but there is power in that prayer during that time. And it truly is a spiritual battle, truly is spiritual warfare during the time of Ramadan. So I want you to keep that in mind. And if any of you are planning on working in the 1040 window during or if you feel a call in your heart to pray for these people or to minister to people here in the U.S. And I was so happy to hear about this international student program, a phenomenal program. Totally support that. I encourage you to purchase a Quran and read it. And not too many people are going to tell you that because, you know, you shouldn't, you know, be looking at things you're not supposed to look at. But you need to know if you're going to go into, into spiritual warfare to, to fight for the person that you're ministering to, what they believe. And then I encourage you to purchase a book called The Camel. And it's, it will teach you how to build bridges where you are not going to find yourself in a confrontational. The spirit that you're dealing with is a confrontational spirit. You're not going to allow yourself to be put in that confrontational position when you're ministering to people of the Muslim faith. So that you will be able to be a bridge and know what bridges in our own, in their, in their book, in their holy book, and in our holy book exist, where they will be able to walk across that bridge comfortably and see the truth that is written in their own book, but they're blinded to it. So I want to encourage you to write those things down, that if you are planning on or being called into this field, those are two really important tools that I highly recommend. Also, prayer walk the mosque. You know, when God gave me a vision one time, and he told me to walk the mosque seven times. And to blow the shafar, just as when the walls of Jericho came down. 
So if you're going to prayer walk, strategically prayer walk, go into a place where that where the darkness exists and strategically prayer walk that place. Walk around it seven times. Blow the shafar just as as the Lord taught us to bring the walls of Jericho down. Learn to be strategic in the way that you minister. Put a map up on the wall. Put pins in the wall where you are going to pray. Learn where those places are. Many times, young people in our country, adults my age, don't know where these countries are. Learn where they are. Become intimately involved with them and be their friend even from afar. You don't have to go out into the mission field. You can be just as powerful a mighty warrior right here in your prayer closet. And I really, really want to tell you how much I value and depend on your prayers. And I'm convinced that those prayers have kept me alive, have kept my staff alive, and still allow me to be there in the land of my heart. And one thing I want to tell you, yes, it's a sacrifice. Yes, there are times it's dangerous. Not one time have I ever felt fear. I've been been in very dangerous situations, but I know that that God's call is in my life because I have not felt fear. Fear is not not of the Lord. I have felt safe and protected and many times bolder than I should have, maybe bolder than wisdom called for, but I have not felt fear. And one thing you will feel if you know the call is right is joy and love and unexplainable, and you're not going to be able to explain it to anybody why you love these people you've never met, why you are desperate to be with them, why you want to be there and stay there in a place that has no electricity and is filthy dirty and has dust storms and sandstorms, and there, you can't use the internet and is total frustration all day long and you fall into bed totally satisfied and frustrated. And you can't explain those emotions to people and why you want to go back. And then you'll know in your heart that God has put that in there because there's no explanation, no fleshly explanation for it. Um, I, and this team that went over, I know all of you are getting ready to go to college. and I mean, you're in college and college is getting ready to start. And I think some of you ask, well, what can I do at my age? How can my, I be valuable? <clears throat> I can't tell you how valuable it would be to have any one of you come and join me, even for a short time. Do you have any idea how much I need an accountant or a business major in what I do, a fashion designer? I have a thousand women in my ministry who create shirts like these and embroidered items that I have to figure out how to market. I can only take, my knowledge only goes so far. I need young, fresh minds to come and help me. Marketing experts, media, web design, graphic designers, just as something so simple as having a brochure so that we can get the word out, so that we can raise money, so that I can be there, so I can minister to the people. I need somebody who has got that skill set. And yet we, our ministry can't afford to pay for it. Maybe you can offer that as a ministry to, uh, to missionaries. That makes you a missionary also as well. So I want to encourage you, when you're choosing your career or when, you, when God puts it on your heart, what he wants you to be and do with your life, that just because you're a business major doesn't mean you cannot either be a missionary or support a missionary in some way. The mission field has a place for everyone, and I just want you to all to know that. And sometimes you feel really pressured when you're in a church. Oh, you know, I don't, I don't really feel like that's my call. But even the most minor thing as drawing a logo for someone is an offering to the Lord. So I just want to encourage you there. 
the people who went with me, I had they were leadership. They were teaching leadership to the Afghans. They taught leadership issues to me. Um, one woman taught the Afghan woman to worship dance. And the women were very shy and they didn't want to move. And then all of a sudden, someone got up and they played musical chairs. And they really enjoyed that. And so after it was over, you know, we had still had half of them sitting and half of them standing up dancing very shyly because they just don't do this. This one woman walked out and she burst into tears and she said, thank you so much for coming. We don't get to have fun in our homes. Something so simple as having fun is so foreign to them. Having joy for even a moment is is foreign to them. Teaching the children in our refugee camp schools how to dance. We have the one, one young lady who's going to come and do some art therapy with children who have grown up in war in refugee camps. Can't wait to see how the Lord expresses his heart through those hands. And I just want to tell you that it doesn't matter. The woman who came to teach the dance didn't think she had anything to offer. She just said, some reason, Lord wants me to come. She was shy. She was scared. For the first three days, she didn't want to leave the room until step by step. God was also doing work in her where he was breaking that fear in her, and he was helping her to see how her gift can be used to serve him. And so in this way, I want to encourage each and every one of you to look to see what it is that makes your heart sing and look to see what the gift that the Lord has given you, no matter how simple you think it is, whether it's fixing someone dinner or fixing tea. Do you know that missionaries are tired and they don't usually get a hot meal? like you're used to here at home. And if somebody comes and makes me Southern fried chicken, mashed potatoes and corn, how I want to marry them. (laughs) So you have no idea how you can minister, not only to, if you don't feel equipped to minister to the people, then minister to the missionary. Those are many, many ways you can serve. And each and every one of you, God does not, does not create a person that's not created to serve. You are each and every one of you created to serve in some way, and he has equipped you with the gift in which you should serve with. So just learn to get to know yourself and and think about what it is you're good at, or even if you're not really good at it, God will make you good at it one day, and he will use it, and he will just really search your soul, and what is it that makes my heart sing, and that is what I'm going to offer back to the Lord. And I want to thank you again for having me again. It's so nice to see all of you, and um, I'll be praying for you, and I just ask that you continue to pray for me.